Tonight's candle is the candle of love. And, and listen, so it's the candle of love. So we're going to talk about that, but its secondary name is the candle of angels. Okay? <clears throat> so what, what comes to your mind whenever you hear or think of angels? Okay. I think when Christ like wings sits on top of your tree. Okay. What? So we think of like this winged creature, right? Like a human with all wings, important. essentially all white. Important messages. Important messages. Did someone over here raise their hand? What do you guys think of when you think of angels? Purity. Purity. Shepherds. Halo. Halo. Yeah. Glowing, maybe. Anyone think of them like glowing? He was not an angel. Um, so we have, we have lots of thoughts of what angels are. Some of us may picture like the little cherub angels that you see like in old people stuff that's like tiny and chubby and things. Other of us think of like these really beautiful, like tall, skinny angels. Some of them playing trumpets and everything. We have like lots of different ideas of what angels are. And most of us picture... Uh, you know, like a winged creature or, and we think of them as like a protector or a guardian. Ever, anyone ever heard of like a guardian angel? Mm-hmm. Like we, we've heard this term before. We think of angels as like protectors or someone who does good things, right? We think of angels as like good, you know, like a, I know it's an old movie. It was a movie whenever I was a kid, but who's seen the movie Angels in the Outfield? Wow. Thank you for dating me. <laughs> Makes me feel old, but It was a movie where this kid needed the, at the time, the Anaheim Angels, the baseball team, to win baseball games so that his, so his family would come back together. And uh, he prayed that, you know, God would send angels. And these angels came down and they helped the baseball team win. You have to see it. It makes sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense what I'm saying it right now, but it's a good movie. But we, but in the movie, like the angels sometimes just look like humans or if you've ever seen the, the famous Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, what is his name? Clarence? Clarence. Yeah. So he's just a human, right? Through the whole movie and he turns out to be an angel. And so I think that we have a wide range of what we think that angels are. But really, what angels are, in, in a basic sense, in a biblical sense, is they're messengers from God. So let me tell you, We all kind of know there's really two kinds of messages you can get, right? There's what? Bad Bad news and good news. Okay, right? Like you always hear people say, okay, I've got good news and I've got bad news, right? So angels are messengers. And so they always bring news, either good news or bad news. And we see a couple different kinds of angels throughout the Bible. We see angels who execute the judgment of God. Which that sounds like a very scary thing, and it is. But we see in Isaiah 37, 36, the angel of the Lord strike down 185 Assyrians, right? Like they, these were people who were fighting against God's people. And so God was like, nah, have none of that. And he strikes, an angel strikes down 185,000 men. 
Or we see two angels that bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and they come in with flaming swords. And, like seriously, this is in the Bible. You can read these stories. And, and they're like, these are not the cute little angels that your grandma has on her like shelf up high. They're, they're like terrifying probably moments, terrifying creatures who, whose authority it is to execute the judgment of God. And this is the idea that people were acting in a sinful way against God. And so he sent angels to judge them in the way that only God can. And this isn't like this, this earthly judgment that we like, you're like, you're judging me. Like, it's not that kind of judgment. It's God saying you are guilty of sin and sending his angels to, to punish on his behalf. (laughs) We also see angels that help us in times of trouble. You look at Daniel 6, a very, very popular story. Daniel, where was Daniel stuck in? Does anyone know? Just say it. He was stuck in a lion's den. You may have heard the story. Daniel gets thrown in a lion's den. He prays to God to save him. God sends an angel to protect him. And this angel closes all the lion's mouths so that they don't eat him overnight. In Acts 12, uh, we see a story where there are some Christians that are thrown in prison. And an angel comes and opens the prison doors and takes their chains off so they can escape. Right? We see these angels that also come in a time to protect and to help people. While, they can, while angels can be executors of judgment, they could also be people who help in time of need. But ultimately, angels are messengers. So in the case of a judgment, they're bringing bad news. Right? And in the, in the case where they're helpful, they're bringing good news. This, angels are God's way of presenting his message to us. And, and I think it's interesting. Like, I think we can all agree that if we have an encounter with an angel, it would be a scary encounter, right? Like, it would be something that would be abnormal. Like, to have, like, a glowing creature, like, that would freak me out, okay? Like... I, I believe in angels. I believe in God. That would freak me out still. So I think we could all agree that that would freak us out. And so we almost always see angels start their messages with something like fear not or do not be afraid or something. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to help me. Like if a murderer told me, don't be afraid, that's not going to make me less afraid. So if an angel was telling me, don't be afraid, that wouldn't necessarily help me out a whole lot. But We can all agree that angel encounters would be very terrifying, I think. We have accounts of men, in in the Bible we see accounts of men fainting, women crying, uh, people like losing (laughs) their ability to do normal human things when talking to angels. And um, I think this makes sense, especially because when we see these angels in the Christmas story, like right, we see them come to Mary and Joseph and to the shepherds and stuff. Every story they've ever heard, because at this time, all they were reading was the Old Testament. Basically, every story of an angel was an angel coming to punish or to to bring God's judgment. And so it would have been very scary, even if an angel was like, fear not, I'm an angel of God. I'd be like, well, this isn't good. God's about to punish me. But in this case, we see a shift in God's message. God's message goes from a message of judgment to a message of rejoicing. We talked about one of the candles being joy. And that was the the message that the angels brought to the shepherds was this message of joy. Think of all the angel encounters in this story. One you may not know about 
is uh, Gabriel, you've probably heard the name Gabriel in an angel, in an angelic sense, tells Zacharias that he would be a father to a, to a son that was going to be the forerunner for the Messiah. You may have heard of John the Baptist. That's who's, who that was. And, a ga- and an angel came and told John the Baptist's dad that he would, be, he would father a son that would be a prominent person in the life of Jesus. And then we see Gabriel again, the same angel, telling Mary that she would give birth to the Messiah. And an angel uh, that it goes unnamed telling Joseph to take Mary as his wife because her son is conceived of the Holy Spirit. We see again an angel announced Christ's birth to the shepherds, followed by what they call an angelic host. And I imagine like an angel choir, like in the sky, praising God, right? And, and we hear that glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to, to men on who his favor rests. That's that very iconic line we hear coming from an angelic host. And all these angels brought a message of good news that there was a new king in town. <laughs> And so we see again the shift between this this idea of God's judgment and this idea of God's joy. And more importantly, see, this is where the tie is into the candle of love. It brings a message of God's love, right? That's that's what these angels bring is, is not a message of judgment, not a message of condemnation, but a message of God's love for us that he sent his son to live a life for us. <clears throat> the biblical word for good news is one you've probably heard before. It's gospel, right? That's what gospel means is good news. So when we look at angels bringing this idea of either bad news as we see in the Old Testament or good news, the gospel that we see in the New Testament. And when we think of the gospel, you guys are all going to know this verse, I hope. If not, most of you will. But when we think of the gospel, we think of one verse that kind of sums it up. And it's a very famous one. It's John three sixteen. Right. We've all seen this. You go to football games or you watch football games and someone always has a sign I'm like that doesn't make sense. Why do you have a sign that says John 316? But almost everyone knows John 316. And if they don't know what it says, they know the reference. They've heard it. And it say I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys what it says. <clears throat> but I think it's a perfect it's a perfect summation, meaning it's like the perfect uh, shortening of what the gospel is. This idea of the good news. And it says for God so loved. This, this idea of this kindle of love. God loved the world that he sent his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I just want to look at the first half of that. God loved the world so he sent his son. When we look at this idea of Christmas. And we look at the idea of what we celebrate at this time. It's God's son coming to earth. It's that God sent his son. And why did he send his son? Because he loved us. So when we look at this candle of love, we see this immediate tie in to the Christmas story. God loved, he sent his son. You see, the books that make up the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are a compiling of the greatest love story ever told. A love between God and his creation, mankind, that he would send his son to save them. I'm not going to go into some big, deep theological conversation tonight. But just understand that, that like we all understand that as humans, we're not perfect. 
right? We can try as hard as we want to be good people, but we make mistakes. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't make us bad people. We make mistakes. God understood this and he realized that we were incapable of being perfect. So he sent his son who was God himself, right? If it's God's son, he's God. To live a perfect life that we couldn't. And yet he ended up paying the punishment for all of our mistakes. I don't know how many of you guys have siblings. I have a brother. I have a little brother. Big pain. If you have little siblings, you understand that. I was always like, I always found myself getting in trouble for things my brother would do. And I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but it's very frustrating, right? Especially if you're a kid and you don't understand it. But as I got older, and some of you guys may not have even gotten to this point yet. (laughs) But as I got older, I started to realize how much I cared for my brother, right? I, I, I understood how much I loved my brother and how much he meant to me. And there were times when my parents would get on to me for something that he did. And instead of like being like, no, he did it. I would just be like, okay. And I would essentially like take his punishment. Like it wasn't like big things. If he did something really stupid, I wasn't going to fall on his sword. But, but like there would be times where I would take his mistake and I would say, yeah, so that he wouldn't get in trouble. And I look, I look at this. And I did that because I loved him, right? And I didn't want to see him hurt. And I look at the comparison and God sent Jesus to live a life that was perfect. He didn't make mistakes like we did. We made the mistakes, but Jesus paid the price. He got punished for what you and I do every day. And he does this because he loves us. He does it because he doesn't want to see us hurt. He does it because he doesn't want us to spend eternity separated from him in hell. Guys, the Christmas story is a love story. It's a story of God's love for us. It's a story of Jesus' love for us, that he came to live a life. You you guys got to realize, like, we we could go around the room right now and we could talk about the biggest struggle we have in our life. And I'm sure some of you guys are struggling with some really heavy stuff right now. Guys, you got to realize that Jesus was human just like you and me. He had hunger pains just like you and me. He scraped his knee playing in the front yard just like you and me. He had emotions just like you and me. He felt pain. He felt sorrow. He probably felt depression. Guys, Jesus went through the same things we did so that he could understand who we are and how we function. And he did it all because he loves us. Just as the angel said, there was a new king in town and he was coming to reign forever. I don't know if you guys, I'm, I'm like a history buff. I like to know about like kings and rulers and things like that. And we always see that some of the best kings were ones who would not just live in their castles, right? They would go out amongst the people and they would try to understand what their people are struggling with and what their people are going with so they could use their power and use their authority to help them. Guys, that's the kind of king that Jesus is. He lived among his people to understand us. And so we should serve him 
and praise him for that. Christ is the king. He has been the king. He is the king and he will always be the king. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why we celebrate Advent, the coming of Christ, the coming of the king. To bring glory and to bring honor to our king that reigns forever on high. Guys, I think this idea of love, and and you guys will get to know this about me. I, I talk about love a lot because I think love is one of, if not the most important aspect of the Christian life. And I hate that in today's culture, Christians are viewed as, as people who don't love, right? They're viewed as judgmental, hateful, condescending people who just tell everyone how they're living their lives wrong. And that's not how it was meant to be, guys. Christians were meant to be the example of love. In fact, the Bible tells us that the way that Christians should be identified is by the way they love one another. Which is crazy to think about because our culture says the opposite of that. And quite frankly, they're right. Guys, we need to be people who love in the same way that God loved us. That we don't judge one another. We, we help one another through things. We see each other's struggles. We see each other's faults and we say, hey, it's okay. You may not be good at this. I'll do that. You do what you're good at. We've got to love one another. I look in this room and I, and I see a bunch of students that may not even know each other's names. When we're here, we're a family. And we should treat each other like that. We should know each other. We should love each other. We should care about each other. Because that's what the Christian life's all about. That's what serving God's all about. And I promise you guys that I will love you with everything that is in my heart because that's what God's called me to do. Not that I don't want to love you. I think we can all admit it's hard to love people sometimes, right? People make us mad. People do stupid things. But I promise you guys that I will love you with all my heart. That doesn't mean I'm, gonna get, I'm not going to get frustrated with you. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get on to you from time to time. But I promise that through it all, I love you guys. And I want to help you guys. And I want to be there for you guys. If you ever need anything, I want you to know you can come talk to me. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm going to try to help you. That's my job. I want to be here for you guys. In the same way that Jesus is here for us. <clears throat> guys, I've been through. I've been through my teenage years, right? Like I know it's way different now. Like it's crazy now. I get it wasn't crazy. There was no iPhones whenever I was in high school. There were barely even cell phones. There's no Instagram. There's no Facebook. There's no Snapchat. Okay. I get it. It's different now, but I've been there. I've struggled with a lot of the same things you guys have struggled with. And I just want to let you guys know that I love you through that. Right. I understand. So if you come to me with a problem and you're like, Brian, you don't understand. I do understand. I've been there. I've seen it. I've done it. Guys, we have to realize that we're all each other has in this life, right? And we've got to love each other with the same love that God shows us. We have to band together and serve him, but do it together as a family.
That's the most important thing in the Christian life. And that's why this idea of love is so important to the idea of Christmas. Because everything about Christmas, everything about God is love. That's why we spend Christmas with our families, the people we love. That's why we spend Christmas at church. Like we, we did that family feud thing. And one of the things was where you go on Christmas Eve, you go to church, right? Like it's because those are the people we love. So this Christmas, we got one week till Christmas, a week from today. This Christmas, focus on who you love. Focus on what you love. And maybe focus on the people you don't love and try to love them better. Because we're not called to be people of hate. We're called to be people of love. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then you guys can go. And I hope you guys have a really good Christmas. I hope you guys have a lot of fun. Get a break off school. Get to spend some time with people. Hang out with your cousins. We always played video games whenever my cousins did. We had like Sega Genesis and like... Nintendo 64. Now you guys like put on VR masks and like play with lightsabers and stuff. I don't know. But <laughs> it's a whole new world. But let me pray for you guys. And I, and I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And I'll see you guys. I'll see you guys back here on January 8th. Okay. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for sending Jesus for us, God. I, I thank you so much for the love that you showed us in that action. And I, I thank you so much for the love that Jesus showed us in that action by coming and living a life that was designed to, to replicate ours and to show us the best way to live our lives. And I pray that you would help us to live a life the way that Jesus did, full of love and compassion for others. I pray that you would help this group to realize that the love that they have for one another and that they can grow together as a group, that, that we can we can learn to love one another and be, a, and be a family in here, God. I thank you for this time of Christmas where we can focus on you and the love that you send us. Not only the love, but all the other aspects that we've, we've talked about. Hope, peace, joy, and love. God, I thank you for all those things. Thank you for all you do for us. I pray that you would just help us to go from here and to live our lives in the way you've called us to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.